Welcome to the Resilience Podcast. I'm Kobe Greer. No excuses is the reverberating motto of our guest, Brant Gungvi, where the core of his work is to help people do more by making no excuses. Brant Garvey is a Paralympian and professional speaker who has shown time and again that whatever challenges life throws at you, they can be overcome. Born as an above-knee amputee, Brant's unique life experiences, indomitable positivity and resilient mindset have led him to outstanding achievements time and time again. Whether it's the multiple first-place finishes at Paratriathlon World Championships or when he was the first above-knee amputee to complete an Ironman triathlon in Australia, Brand's demonstrable influence and impact throughout his career has motivated athletes and non-athletes around the world to dream big and achieve their goals. Some of Brandt's incredible achievements include first Australian paratriathlete in his category to participate in the Paralympics, 2017, 16, 15 and 14 Oceano Paratriathlon Champion. 2017, 16, 15 and 14 National Paratriathlon Champion. First place at 2015 ITU World Paratriathlon Championship in Sunshine Coast, Australia. And first place at 2014 ITU World Paratriathlon Event in Yokohama, Japan. On top of all this, He is currently preparing for the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics. So, Bramp, I'm already exhausted. Welcome to the Resilience Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Bramp, to kickstart, what is Bramp's story and how did you become a Paralympian and professional speaker? Yeah, I mean... We can, we can start by going back to the very beginning. So before I was born, my mum had an ultrasound and she was told that everything was fine and then I came out as an above-knee amputee. Now, me personally, I would have thought that two arms and two legs would have been a major checklist item on an ultrasound, but <laughs> not the case in 1985. Uh, and then it was the, the first challenge was then learning how to walk. And um, we were living in Darwin at the time and everywhere we went, we were offered what you would call a peg leg uh, as an artificial leg where you'd need the matching eye patch and the parrot on your shoulder to complete the outfit. <laughs> also happens to be my number one go-to choice for fancy dress party. <laughs> but they ended up finding a place that would hand carve out of one single piece of wood uh, an artificial leg that somewhat resembled a real leg. It had no knee and it had a strap that went around my neck to hold it on. Can't imagine it being very comfortable, but as a kid you didn't care. And it wasn't until about the age of two that I finally learnt the skill to be able to walk with it. And then, obviously, over the years, technology's improved. I got legs with knees. I got all sorts of weird and wonderful different models along the way. Wow. And sport was always my way of being able to fit in with other kids and prove that, yes, I had a disability and I was different, but I could figure out a way to do whatever it was that they were doing, whether that be swimming, uh, soccer, hockey. One of the sports that I chose, which I have no idea now why, was high jump. So I wanted to do high jump, which I don't know how that's a 
a great choice, but we managed to figure out a way to make that successful. And then later on in life, and the the Olympics was always a dream. I remember being a kid in primary school and watching Kieran Perkins in the swimming and going, you know what, that's what I want to do when I'm older. Um, I didn't even know that there was a difference then between the the Olympics and the Paralympics. And then later out, later on, when I was playing wheelchair basketball, um, I, I discovered more about the Paralympics, and I got to a, an international level in wheelchair basketball, but it was always just outside of the the Paralympic level. And then in 2013, I was um, I was back in Australia, and I was really searching for my my next challenge. I'd been sitting in my comfortable bubble for a while, and um, decided I wanted to find out you know, these limitations that people, others, um, friends and family, and, and even myself had imposed that um, were, wasn't possible because I had one leg and one of those was running. So in 2013, I was ready to challenge that. I was like, you know what, just because people said it isn't possible, how do we know that that's real? How do we know that's true? And so I set off, I um, was with my wife and our, our two very masculine dogs, Lani and Buster. Um, they weigh three kilos each once. <laughs> A Pomeranian and the other's a Tudel. Very hard to look tough walking these dogs along the coast. Uh, and I told her, I'm, I'm going to try running. And she's like, what? Here now? Why? And I was like, why not? So I set off. I wouldn't have made it more than a single step before my artificial leg flung off oh. into the air. I used my face to break my fall and my dog buster ran off. That was my introduction to running. Oh, gosh. Uh, and one of the defining moments for me was that rather than let that one moment define my running experience. I, I came back the next day and tried again and I was able to run a few metres. And then the next day it was a little bit further. And I vividly remember celebrating the first time I ran 100 metres. I was shattered. And then I was able to get a little bit further and then I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the challenge of running and then I took on the challenge of cycling and then discovered that triathlon was being introduced into the Paralympics in 2016 and I decided right then and there that's what I wanted to do. That is incredible. So, as you know, our podcast is entitled Resilience, yep. which you clearly embody and radiate. So what does resilience mean to you? Like, you know, I've heard it, but what does it mean to you? Yeah, I, I honestly uh, characterise resilience as being one of the major keys to be able to be successful. So... For me, I naturally developed a problem-solving skill throughout my childhood because I had to grow up figuring out ways that I could do things. So like I spoke about with high jump, when everybody else was doing frosbee flop, one day when I was trying to and it wasn't working, a teacher walked past and said, hey, I think we can do something different that would work for you. And that was a, an old-school version, which was the Western roll. So I would line up 10 metres in front of the bar I would take off my artificial leg, lay it on the ground, and then I would hop towards the bar and then roll over it forwards. Oh. And so it was something that worked. It worked well with my disability, and it ended up getting to the point where I got the school record in primary school for high jump and then got to go to interschool. And that's just one instance of multiple stories that I've had throughout my life where it didn't work the traditional way, and so we had to problem-solve to figure out a way that worked for me. And so I consider that a, a major key in developing resilience. So the kind of the few major things that I focus on is um, being optimistic and positive is a massive part of developing a strong base of resilience. 
resourcefulness that comes down to the problem solving and then relationships that you you build with friends and family to be able to help in those situations and then a a healthy mind and body is another aspect that makes a massive change in in your resilience level that's excellent so so like i have read some of your blogs about uncomfortable moments and preparing for the unexpected Mm -hmm. um these are things yeah what are these things in your life that help you keep strong? I, I think it comes down to the fact that I've become okay with stuff not working the first time. So if I fail epically, I realise that that's not the final stop. That's not the final destination. That's just part of the journey on the path. So everything for me, whether it is an epic blunder, we're stacking it in front of hundreds of thousands of people or something along those lines... I know that that's just one part of me learning how to get to the the end destination. And so if you realise that it's not black and white, that it's just part of the process, then it, it takes away a lot of the fear. You know that that's just part of the way on, on the final trip. No, fantastic. So, and, and, I, and, I, and I hear humbleness in there too. Yeah, yeah. I, as well as strength. Like I, I personally think humbleness... And vulnerability is a strength anyway. Yeah, it's one of the things that I make sure that I constantly share all the mistakes along the way. So, (laughs) Because for me, they're the most important parts. It's not the end product. It's all the mistakes that you had to get through to get there. And I want to share that it's okay to make those mistakes. And every fear that you have about what's going to happen if that mistake happens is nowhere near as bad most of the time as you think it is. (laughs) Hence your um, motto, no excuses. (laughs) Um, so what's your approach to goal setting and how do you stay motivated and committed to achieving those goals? Yeah, I, I kind of joke that I'm a, addicted to goal setting. So it really, I mean, I, I naturally did it throughout my life, but in 2013 was where I really started to be a little bit more strategic about it. So I set a very small goal, um, which was to to lose 10 kilos of my, my comfortable marriage weight um, in 2013 and was able to achieve that. So I started out small and then gained confidence and momentum by achieving that goal and then went bigger and bigger until finally deciding to take on a, a full Ironman at the end of 2013. And yeah, it's it's become motivation that turned into me developing the discipline to be able to continue to do the stuff and then transferring that discipline into a habit through obviously repetition and now when it's a habit it's much easier than what it was like when I started. Yeah, yeah. No that and, and yeah, that good discipline is certainly required. But just to think that over five years, only well four years, because we've only started into two thousand eighteen, um, all of your accomplishments are in such a short span of time. Yeah. So Obviously very focused. One of the things that's probably a weakness of mine is that I I don't stop and celebrate my successes as well. So I'm always moving on to the next one. And so I need to get better at being able to notice that I've done something that I've set out to, taking a moment to appreciate it because that's obviously a major part of the process. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's part of that embodiment too. So um, I hope this podcast is part of that celebration. <laughs> So, um, what inspires you and gives you energy? Like, you're full of energy, but is there anything else that gives you energy? What, yeah. So, 
inspires me, I'd have to say that that is seeing other people succeed, seeing other people's success. So I listen to a lot of podcasts. I take in huge amounts of content from people that I look up to and, you know, in all aspects of life, whether that's the sporting world or the business world or the personal world. Uh, and being able to see these people really succeed is incredibly motivating for me. And then I'm also following my passion. It's one of those things that I probably don't like saying so much because I found it sounds a little bit cliche, but I, I'm doing what I love. So every day is just an absolute blast. And by no means is what I'm doing the easy option. I'm, I'm trying to be an athlete that's going to Tokyo, which has absolutely no funding really whatsoever. Um, I'm working multiple jobs while being a professional athlete and then a new dad. So there's definitely easier ways to do what I'm, you know, like to be able to get through life. But the challenging stuff that I get to do gives me this massive zest and energy to take it on daily. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it is infectious. <laughs> um, so if I can ask, Brant, when you're faced with your darkest moments in your life journey, what have been your key strengths that have helped you move forward? And how have these strengths helped you contribute to be part of the wider community as well? Yeah, so, I mean, when you, you're you in this journey trying to go uh, as far as you can in a sport, there are so many dark days. I mean, so for me, I got injured in the Rio Paralympics. I was winning the race, got injured and then finished last. Uh, trying to get sponsored, I would have had hundreds and hundreds of conversations of constant rejection in trying to develop relationships and become a sponsored athlete. Uh, I was told that it was impossible as a disabled athlete to get sponsored. Um, and and then just the constant financial struggle of trying to support the family and the journey going to Tokyo 2020. There's, there's always massive challenges along the way. And for me, uh, my... Optimism, it's sometimes unrealistic. Like I'm just overly positive about every scenario, which it definitely helps. But then also I have this ability to be able to stop myself and focus on how we can find a solution to whatever the problem is rather than focusing all my energy on the problem and why can't these, why can't the scenario that we have be different? So rather than focusing on that, figuring out a way that I can use my relationships um, to, to figure out a way to make it work. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Really, um, yeah, what I'm hearing is a lot of flexibility, adaptability, and um, as you say, problem solving, just to help move forward, which yeah, is brilliant. Huge, you have to be hugely agile to be able to, because there's so many unknowns on the way there. Anytime you hit a roadblock, you just have to be able to jump into another lane and, um, yeah, figure out the new path. And that's one of the things that I've been working on a lot in recent time is, to not get caught up, just be able to make that switch instantly and then move on the new path. Great, great. So just to sort of finish off today's um, podcast, what is your vision for the future? And what are you, well, you're moving towards um, Tokyo Olympics 2020 and you've just mentioned how you've got a new baby boy. Uh, four months old. So future's looking bright, but what is your vision for the future? For the It sounds future? crazy to say out loud, but 
uh, Tokyo is short term, so that's like my short term. <laughs> and when you're in the Paralympic circle, a four year cycle fly, it's ridiculous. Like, I mean, when you start out, you're like, oh, I'm going to train for the Tokyo or the Rio Olympics. I've got four years, and you're like, oh, got it forever. And then it feels like a blink of an eye, and that four years is gone. And I got injured in Rio, so it was now an eight year build to Tokyo. But that's that's the short term goal. So. I'm very good at being able to have that grit to hold on to the the long-term vision. So that's what I say is my short-term goal. We obviously would love to have another child if if we can make that happen. So that's another another part of the plan pre-Tokyo, which would be chaos. <laughs> uh, and then my vision is really to be able to do what I do on a global scale. So I love being able to inspire and motivate people beyond their excuses and 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 teach them some of the skills that I've learnt from my constant grind of trying to get to the pinnacle of my sport, uh, trying to get better at all aspects of my life, whether that be personal, business, or the physical side of it, and being able to impart that knowledge on others and really just seeing them stop making that one excuse that's holding them back and then be able to move forward. And, And not just stop it, but then the action after it. It's really all about what you do next that matters. Love it. So what are your three top brand tips to those who may sometimes struggle to bounce back or who may find repeated adverse experiences near impossible to move past? Yeah, it comes back to a lot of the stuff that I've, I've brought up so far. Yeah. And so the first one would be optimistic and positive. So really making sure that you, you catch yourself before that downward spiral and and focus on finding a solution rather than the problem. Yes. Uh, another major thing that's been helpful for me is building really strong relationships. So that resourcefulness, strong relationships with friends and family that you can call on because resilience isn't about just being able to get through it yourself by like gritting in and just doing all the hard work. It's about being clever and smart about it and using other people's strengths to be able to help you uh, achieve what it is that you're trying to achieve. And then the last is obviously a healthy body and mind. I mean, they're just crucial to be able to stay on top of everything and be strong and resilient. Yeah. Oh, that's fabulous, Brant. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for coming to the podcast. Absolute blast. (laughs) And you're absolutely welcome. (laughs) Thank you.